Good morning, Ridgeway Church. Um, last Sunday, we had a conversation concerning uh, the issue of race and all that's going on around us and trying to uh, pray into that. And uh, this morning, I just wanted to begin with, uh, with the letter that over 60, 65 of our pastors and ministers here in the Madison area signed uh, a letter to the African-American community. And uh, this was posted last week, but here's what it says to our fellow pastors who are African-American and to the whole African-American community. We want to express our deep sorrow for the suspicion and double standard we have held towards people of color in this land. We repent for this evil and ask for your forgiveness. We recognize the institutional and systemic racism are prevalent in our land. The tragic events that continue to happen serve as evidence of this reality. We condemn the racist acts that continue to happen today. We repent of our racism and fear, both conscious and unconscious, and we repent of our reluctance to be agents of healing and reconciliation in our churches, in our region, and in our nation. We resolve to preach, teach, and advocate against the sins of racism. We resolve to lead in a way of love and to seek ways to heal the divisions that separate races and cultures in our region. We resolve to listen to those who have been wounded and dehumanized by racism. We resolve to pray fervently for God's healing and reconciliation. We resolve to help our churches become more hospitable and welcoming communities to diverse people. And we, and, and with the help of God, we resolve to be intentional about being agents of transformation in the systemic problems that we see in our community. And then there's a last paragraph that just says that we're committing this Sunday, today, uh, to, um, uh, to just address it in our pulpits and to pray. And, uh, and again, then there was, uh, uh, the sign off was, may Jesus our Savior and Good Shepherd heal your wounds and have mercy on us all. Uh, so that was posted. And I just wanna pick up from there this morning and look at some scriptures and, uh, and revisit this uh, from this perspective. Uh, my title of the message today is A Kingdom Agenda and uh, how there are some, some things that I believe can, can help my life and help our lives, help our community of believers, uh, help the body of Christ uh, as, as we focus towards a, a kingdom answer to all that's happening around us. When I say kingdom, I'm talking about the, the kingdom of God and what Christ has, has brought forth through his life and death on the cross. Um, so uh, I, wanna, I wanna go to Acts chapter 10 and, and, and bring one of my favorite characters in the New Testament uh, to the forefront, and that's Peter. And, uh, and this has to do with, uh, uh, with uh, an encounter that he has with somebody of a different culture, uh, not a race, but uh, ethnicity, or we'll go into it here in a minute, but uh, uh, a Gentile by the name of Cornelius. It says this, at, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision and he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Okay, so just stop for a second. Here's Cornelius. He's a, he's a military leader, and, uh, but he's a godly man and he prays and he, and he gives and, uh, and God visits him and God's touched by his prayers and by his, his heart. And uh, he told him that he was gonna send a man named Peter and Peter at this time was staying down the seacoast uh, by what's today uh, uh, the, the area of, uh, um, well, it's Joppa then, it's a historical city. Uh, and uh, he's with a man named Simon the Tanner. 
And uh, so uh, uh, Cornelius sends a couple of his servants and a, and a military representative to Joppa. Meanwhile, Peter's enjoying this, this beautiful, uh, uh, I, I believe, a holiday uh, on the, on the uh, Mediterranean Sea with, at Simon's house. Now, that's not in the Bible, but uh, if you've ever been to Tel Aviv, uh, you, you've seen the beautiful sands and the, the beautiful Mediterranean. That's where most people in Israel go to vacation, uh, the, shores of, uh, the shores of the Mediterranean. So, uh, and it's during this time at about uh, 12 noon that Peter has um, a vision, okay? He's, the, the Bible says he's, he's, he's hungry, and he falls into a trance. So we know this isn't a pizza dream. This is this is an empty stomach encounter. And Peter has this vision of heaven opening up and a sheet coming down from heaven, and and all these animals or creatures in the sheet uh, that's descending from heaven. Now, what's unique about these uh, animals is they would be considered unclean uh, to those of the Jewish faith. Uh, devout Jews practice a dietary law. It was given to them by God through Moses and Peter would have practiced this as a, a devout follower of Judaism. And uh, in, uh, scripture goes on to say that Peter, so he's having this trance, he's having this vision, and it says, then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's response is, surely not, Lord. Uh, I have never, never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time, it says, and he said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And, and, and the vision ended, and there's a knock at the door, and uh, it's, it's Cornelius's Gentile entourage. And you know, I just wanna pause again for a second and tell you this, that in that first church, as Christianity was beginning to, to, to go out of Jerusalem and into Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world, as the book of Acts says, uh, there was one of the major problems was that, uh, and what was kind of withholding the gospel and a challenge of the gospel was kind of like a racism in the early church. You see, the first followers of Jesus were all Jewish, and uh, Jesus was Jewish, and Christianity Jew from, uh, grew from the Jewish faith. Uh, oftentimes when Paul would go throughout the, the Mediterranean basin there and in Asia and into Europe, he, he would first find a synagogue because he could teach there and he would gather with Jews. And then from there, the synagogue was the launching place where he would, he would maybe establish a church in a town. And you see that throughout the the the, the uh, Acts, the Acts, the book of Acts. Uh, and so anyway, uh, one thing you have to understand though for, for the Jewish follower and the devout Jew, they were taught to avoid Gentiles. Gentiles were all those who were non-Jews, uh, those who were uncircumcised, those who were not committed to the Torah. And uh, they, were to, they were to avoid them like, like the plague because they were considered unclean. Uh, today, we would call that kind of a systemic racism. Uh, you had the Jews who were in, they, they were part of the covenant, they were circumcised into that covenant, they were God's favorite, they were God's elect, and then you had the rest of the world. Well, we know uh, through the gospel and gospel of John that Jesus didn't just come for that part of the world and for Judaism, but he came for the whole world. But the early Christians who were Jewish were having problems with this because they were still tracking with uh, uh, not relating to and not fellowshipping with and not hanging out with Gentiles. Peter's encountering this in his story. And, uh, and uh, of course, not allowed to eat, not allowed to marry, not allowed to associate with. Uh, and so Peter hasn't fully, he's not fully understanding his vision, but he goes to Caesarea and he meets with Cornelius and his family and, and Cornelius' friends. And then in the midst of, the, of his sharing, God shows up. 
in, in a powerful way. And, and the scriptures say that while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Um, the circumcised believers, so the Jewish followers, and those who'd been circumcised into Judaism who were with Peter, they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their, uh, of their being baptized with water. So they're encountering the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And he says, come on, let's get a bathtub or let's go to the, let's go to the shores of, uh, of the Mediterranean. Let's baptize these people in the name of, these people in the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, then they asked Peter to stay with them. So Peter is hanging out with Gentiles. Up to this point, there's, there's no proof that Peter ever had at night in the home of a Gentile or would visit a Gentile or would share a meal with a Gentile. But things are going crazy in Peter's life. Uh, in fact, this, this is a moment where that wall, that racial wall of separation comes tumbling down in Peter's life and Peter's ministry. And, and the barbecue was incredible. Now, I don't know that for sure, but I just know all barbecues are incredible. And if you're hanging out with Gentiles, there's, well, who knows? You, you can just imagine the good food, right? So uh, fast forward a few years and we discover some racial tension happening in the, the city of Antioch in, in Syria. And uh, why? Because God is moving in a profound way, but he's moving amongst a population of Gentiles and the church is growing powerfully. And uh, then things get messy. And you can see this in Acts chapter 15. It says, certain people came from, the, uh, from Judea to Antioch, uh, where they were, and they were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And this brought Paul and Barnabas into a sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas and others are leading this church in Antioch, about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And these Judaizers come uh, and they begin to say, listen, if you don't become a Jew, if you don't fully follow the law of Moses, you can't be saved. If you're not circumcised, you can't be saved. And so Paul and Barnabas travel to Jerusalem to have a council and, and a meeting with the leadership and uh, the, the apostles there, James and I think Paul, uh, uh, Peter, I should say, and John and other apostles are there and elders of the church there in Jerusalem. That was kind of ground zero still at that point for the church. And, um, and, and they're having this, this meeting and, and it says some of the believers who belonged to the party, the Pharisees stood up at this council and they said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Well, that's just what these folks had said when they'd traveled up and were kind of stirring things up at Antioch. And the apostles and the elders, they kind of separated and they had a discussion. And I probably believe prayer. Scripture doesn't say that, but when you're going to discuss this, uh, topics of this mag magnitude, I'm sure there's a lot of prayer. And it says, after much discussion, Peter stood up and he addressed the council. And he said, brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you, the Gentiles, that you, the Gentiles, might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us uh, and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. So Peter reminds them of what he experienced at Cornelius' house in Caesarea. He, and, uh, and so he just makes it clear. And then the conversation continues, and James stands up, and he speaks, and he's the brother of Jesus, and he's kind of the head of the church at Jerusalem. And uh, the church... Uh, the, the, the final outcome was uh, uh, 
Well, and I, and I might say at that point with Peter, he probably recommended a, a local barbecue. He says, because there's, there's a freedom in Christ. And uh, he probably talked about uh, just the joy that he had hanging out with, with the Gentiles. Uh, but we know this for sure, that what became of that Acts chapter 15 encounter and that council was a letter was sent to the church and the believers, the Gentile believers at Antioch. And here's what it said. The, uh, the elders... The apostles said this, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrifice to idols, from blood, and from meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. So think of it. The Judaizers, those trying to turn, uh, turn the early church Christians into Jewish people and uh, people of the Torah and following the law of Moses and the 600 plus additional laws besides the 10 commandments. This was what the leadership of the first church said. Just be careful what you eat, that which is, is, is dedicated to demonic gods and, and idols and abstain from sexual immorality. Wow. In other words, there was enough teaching being done of who Jesus was and God's plan from the Old Testament to the cross that all they needed to is just, they didn't want any burden to be placed on their lives or hearts that would prevent them from growing in Christ. Church of Antioch was delighted and, and Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord for a period of time. And I'd like to say they all lived happily ever after, but that's not the case because it turns out Sometime in between Acts chapter 15, verse 35 and Acts chapter 15, verse 36, in one verse, Paul and Peter have a tussle. They have a little bit of a, 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 a knockdown. And uh, the, the writer of, of Acts, Luke, doesn't record this, but Paul does record it when he writes a letter uh, to the church in the region of Galatia, the Christians in Galatia. And uh, there, once again, they're the same crowd that was bringing confusion to Antioch regarding circumcision in the law, uh, have now infiltrated that region where Paul is writing a letter and he's raised up churches and established churches and it's confusion. It's it's Jesus plus. You have to you you know you, you have to follow Jesus, but the law of Moses. You have to be circumcised. You have to follow all the laws of Moses and the Torah. And and uh, Paul is addressing that. And in the process, he talks about this incident that he had with Peter in Antioch. So it was after Cornelius. It was after the Council of Jerusalem. Uh, Paul and Barnabas go back to Antioch, and somewhere in there, it's not in it's not in the book of Acts, Peter comes up and he's hanging out with the Gentile believers in, uh, in Antioch. Why not? It sounds like an exciting church. Um, and so here's what we see Paul writing in his uh, second chapter of Galatians. He said, when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James... Uh, see, for before certain men came from James, he used to eat with Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he is afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. Okay, okay, so what happened? Peter's up there hanging out with the Gentiles, and then some folks come from Jerusalem, probably. It's not necessarily that James sent them, because James has already dealt with this, but they're Judaizers. They're trying to turn the Christians into an ethnic Jew, into a racial Jew. And, um, and so Paul 
uh, had to address this with Peter. And, and uh, look at Peter's having table fellowship with Gentiles. Peter's been freed up. He's living like Gentiles. He's enjoying uh, pork ribs and pulled pork and baby back, all the things that we like to do at barbecue, all the things he wasn't supposed to eat, all the things he wasn't having to do anymore because he was walking in the freedom in Christ, most likely. And, uh, and the, the pressure to separate from the unclean uh, came when these Judaizers, these religious Jewish Christians came from uh, from uh, Judea, and uh, that racial wall uh, was reestablished, and Paul was livid, okay? And he goes on to say, the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Wow. Um, and then it says, when, when Paul says, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So he rebuked Peter and the others at Antioch, and it shows up in this letter to the Galatians. Um, now, in Greek theater, Greek, uh, Greek uh, actors or actresses or whatever, uh, you know, they, they probably didn't have elaborate costumes, but they, to play another part or to play a part, they would take a mask on a stick and they would place it up against their face. And that was putting them in character and holding up that mask. And in fact, that's where we get the English word uh, hypocrite. It comes from the Greek word that literally means to mask. And, and of course, hypocrite in the English means to pretend or to be fraud or to be phony. And that's what Barnabas and Peter and the others who knew the way had, had fallen into a, 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 you know, a, a level of hypocrisy. Even Barnabas, I think that's interesting because Barnabas had already traveled around uh, on the first missionary vision, uh, mission with the Apostle Paul, and they had seen phenomenal things happen to the Gentiles. They'd gone into the Gentile world. They saw signs and wonders, people healed, people come to Christ, and now he's separating himself and, and, and establishing this wall kind of racially and this indifference um, uh, uh, here at Antioch with, with, with Peter as well as some others. So uh, that that putting that mask on, that, that pure pressure is what was taking place. And uh, 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 and I just, I want you to see this. I, I, and I just want to make this statement as, as I kind of transition here. Uh, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, you and I today, we need to make sure we don't have a mask on, okay? We need to make sure there's not a measure of hypocrisy when it comes to the, the racial issues that surround us. And let me just tell you this. You don't have to be white to be a racist. You don't have to be white to, to, uh, to, to dabble in, in racist or, or racism, and, 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 uh, and you don't have to be black. There are black men and women who are racist. There are Hispanic, there are Asian. Racism is a, is a, is a condition of the heart. It's a sinful condition of the heart, and it, uh, it, it's, it's multicultural, and it's dark. And I believe as Christ followers and as those who are, are part of the church of Jesus Christ, not one church, but the body of Christ in the world today, part of the kingdom of God, our role is to exercise, to remove racism uh, from our midst. And uh, I would say this is a great time for us to take down the mask, to put the masks away, to remove the, the, uh, the hypocrisy. Stop pretending to be followers of Jesus and not lovers of humanity. All right, we need to stop playing one person putting on the mask on Sunday 
and taking it off and playing another person on Monday. And I don't know how that, I'm wrestling with this in my own life and I'm sure you are as well, but just my goal right now is to keep my heart soft and tender and to keep my ears open and my mouth closed, my fingers, you know, my typing fingers and social media, I'm, I'm, I don't do a lot of social media, but you know, with withholding, with, you know, and, and, and just taking a moment, just say, Holy Spirit, what do you wanna say and do in me and through me during this season? Recently, I've drawn a tremendous amount of uh, encouragement and insight from Dr. Tony Evans' teaching. Uh, he's a, a founding pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in, in, in Dallas, Texas. Um, I worked for 10, I went to school and, and was on staff at a Bible college just three, three miles up the road from uh, Tony Evans' church. And he's had a great reputation, wonderful ministry. He also is the president and founder of Urban Alternative. And he also, which is, by the way, it's a, it's a national organization that seeks to restore hope and transformation in the lives through God's word. Excellent Bible teacher. He's also has a radio broadcast called the uh, the Alternative. can be can be heard on over fourteen hundred stations. So he's not a he's not a small potato. He has a he has a national. In fact, I think one hundred thirty countries worldwide. He has a global ministry. And if you ever heard him, you'll know why. He um he, he's a he's a great he's a great leader in the body of Christ. Uh, he's an African American. And uh, when he first, I remember reading that when he first was trying to gain membership at a church in Georgia. Uh, the church uh, was a was a Christ-centered church, but they had race issues, and this is probably back in the 50s, and he wasn't allowed membership in that church because of the color of his skin. And he was one of the first black students uh, to ever attend the seminary where he, uh, he attended and, and ultimately graduated from. He was the first black student to receive a doctorate degree from that seminary. And if he would have gone five or 10 years earlier, he wouldn't have been admitted in that seminary in, in the Dallas area. Now things have changed. That has one of the largest African-American uh, student bodies. And so things have changed in the last 50 years or so. But this, this is his story. In fact, in 1986, the door slammed to his radio ministry when he was trying to take his message and share and minister on the radio because some of the radio stations said, our white listeners uh, will, will be upset uh, understanding that you're of, of, of black skin. And it wasn't until a, a noted re, uh, Christian leader wrote letters to the radio station that the door was open for opportunity for him to, to, uh, to share. And we are so glad for sure that he did. Now, I love Dr. Evans because he is a, he's a kingdom thinker. Uh, he's, a, he's a Jesus first kind of guy. And he, he says something like this, racism would have been nullified if the church would have addressed it in the beginning. And he says, the church in America historically, look at this, historically endorsed racism through the act of slavery and Jim Crow laws in our U.S. history. Uh, the historical church shaped its theology uh, to excuse the injustice towards the African-American people. In slavery, you can read this, uh, the, the church, because the church was very, very uh, foundational and uh, present in the early times of, and founding of our nation and, and during these seasons, and, and they, they massaged their theology and, and found scriptures that, that would allow for them to uh, ease their conscience as they continued in slavery. And the Jim Crow laws, they found scriptures to excuse segregation of black lives from citizenship. So when you hear Jim Crow, that's that it occurred after the after the Civil War. They were 
the reconstruction time of the South there for about 14 years. And it, Jim Crow was the, 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 the racial segregation that was enforced through uh, in the Southern United States by laws of the white legislature. These, uh, these uh, representatives locally, statewide um, uh, cities. And, and the, the purpose was to dis disenfranchise and remove political and economic gains from the blacks during that, that reconstruction period. Now, Jim Crow laws, get, the, get this, mandated the segregation of public schools, public places, segregation of public transportation, the segregation of restrooms, restaurants, and drinking fountains for whites and blacks. So it separated the white skin from the black skin. It was horrendous. And it wasn't until the 50s and the 60s that we began to see these laws uh, nullified and, and removed uh, through the Brown Board of Education, which the Supreme Court passed, uh, it, it was illegal to segregate a person be from a public school from, because of the color of their skin. And then the, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the voting rights of 65. So it's not that far back in our history that horrendous laws uh, uh, were, 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 had to be brought down. And, uh, and so we still uh, are feeling maybe the residue from some of that. And, and what Tony Evans says, and I believe, and I've heard others say as well, the church was silent at times that we should have spoken up and been more engaged and, and, been, uh, and been standing for justice and, and righteousness in this respect. I have a friend that grew up near Atlanta, uh, Georgia. And he tells the story of a wealthy businessman who uh, built, uh, out of his own monies, built a, a beautiful swimming pool in the town. And uh, it was opened and the children went into it. And within a matter of days, all the children came in, every color. And when the African-American children came, he was upset and they were swimming. And, he is, and the next week following that incident, he brought in bulldozers and buried the, the swimming pool. And this happened, I believe, in the 1970s. So it would have been post civil rights movement. So uh, you don't have to travel far or ask too many questions or do much research to find that uh, racism has been real, of course, in our country. Um, so uh, Tony Evans says this, and I just wanna conclude with just some points, some takeaways this morning for us to, to think about and then even to pray about as we conclude here in a minute. Uh, he says this, uh, Dr. Evans, that uh, we need to develop a kingdom agenda. And I titled my message this, and these are some points that he shared that I wanna pass on to you. Uh, and he says the kingdom agenda is the visible, what that means is uh, to define kingdom agenda, it's the visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of our life. The visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of our life. Now, we can't mandate that to those who don't follow Christ, but as Christ followers, we should expect that his, his kingdom is being walked out in our life and in his church, a visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of our life. And then he gives four spheres, four spheres of kingdom agenda. The first one is personal responsibility. Under God, uh, we can establish in our own lives a heart and an attitude uh, that is, is, is going to be a part of the solution. So it all starts not with the government. Uh, we, we're thankful for people that are peacefully protesting and crying out for government. But you know where it starts? At least for followers of Jesus and probably for everyone else, it starts in the heart of the individual, establishing my own heart. If I need to repent, I need to repent. 
If this is a season for us to just ask the Lord to forgive us for maybe silence or maybe ignorance or maybe blindsidedness, let's do it. Let's, let's welcome repentance. We need to build a bridge with potentially a person of different ethnicity. Wouldn't this be great if, if we just, God would give us relationships and friendships with individuals or families? I'll never forget my friend Derek and he and Annetta attended church here for years and and uh, not uh, and I just uh, he was a friend. We would play softball together and basketball together. And he's he's a black brother and uh, very gifted in so many ways. And we would watch football. We even took him. He's a cowboy fan. And man, I was scared. We took him to a Packer game and and the Cowboys weren't good. And a few of us were all up there. And Derek was uh, his team was getting beat pretty bad. And I thought he was going to jump on us. And he's big. Derek's bigger than me, and he he could he could pummel me, and so we just tried to uh, we tried to make him happy. We took him out for a steak, I think, afterwards or something. But he's just a good friend, and I'll never forget the time in 1997 we took. He was helping with the youth ministry, and I I've been pastoring since then. But we, I was helping with the youth as well. We took a team down to Jamaica, Montego Bay, and we ministered in the streets and and just had some great times. I have pictures of Derek and I baptizing a couple of the kids in the youth ministry, and and uh, just great memories. He's my friend and he's a very dear friend. But I'll never forget, we had this uh, wordless book and these wordless bracelets. And the, the, the bracelets basically could walk you to um, understanding by color uh, God's plan for us and how he loved us. And so you had different colors and uh, black was the condition of our heart and sinful condition and, 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 and red was the blood of Jesus and his, his, you know, his blood makes us white as snow and the green was you grow in, by reading the word of God. Well, I didn't think anything about that, but Derek pulled me aside and he said, Brian, we're, Pastor Brian, we're, we're, in a, we're in a city, in a country, I should say, that is predominantly African descent because of the slave trade. And if you go through the Caribbean, you understand that. And, and he said, I am afraid that if we use these to, to, to define the gospel, that the, 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 the black color is for sin. He says, it breaks my heart and I don't, I don't want there to be a riot. And I said, Derek, I, I can't believe, this is a tool that we'd used in child evangelism fellowship. And I said, you know what? You're spot on. Thank you for opening my eyes. I wasn't aware, I wasn't being sensitive. And we took those things and we gave them away to the kids, but we didn't talk about what they meant. We just found different ways to share Jesus with them. Uh, we need sometimes conversations with brown, black, white people to, to help us understand culture and sensitive areas and to be, to, to, be, to be loving in these areas. And so personal responsibility starts with maybe crossing that bridge. And, uh, and uh, I'll just move on really quickly here. Family is, that next, is the next sphere. Uh, and it's the foundation of our family. Whoever owns the family owns the future, uh, Dr. Evans says. And so we teach our children and we teach our grandchildren that it's it's not it's not the uh, color of our skin, but it's the content of our character. And I, my my son-in-law was telling me he's got an he's got a, an African American who's on their staff and they they're they're, they're co-workers and and he's just trying to reach out and see how things are going. If there's anything he should be hearing and and listening to and. And I so appreciated what, what his coworker said. He said, you know, uh, if, if you raise your children like your parents raised you, that'll be the best step, that'll be the best step in the right direction to see an end to racism. What a brilliant thing. It starts in the home, it starts in the family, it starts with our children, our grandchildren, our nephews and our nieces, that you know what? God is not about the colors. All men and women were created in the image of God. We're image bearers of the living God. And, and it's, it's important that we, we teach that. It's, it's the content of the character, not the color of the skin. And when we model that as families, uh, uh, 
the sky's the limit according to, I believe, what the, the, the scriptures teach. So connect with other families who don't look like me, care for families in need from different ethnicities and cultures. And then, then the third area is the church. The church is, uh, is, is God's presence, uh, the, the idea of an embassy, ambassadors. We, were, we represent God's kingdom here on earth. And, uh, and uh, Tony Evans says, if we're trying to fix the White House instead of the church house, we're getting nowhere. We believe it starts in the hearts of God-fearing people in our country. There's enough people that confess Christ that we can turn our country around and bring healing to those who are broken. Um, care for families. Yeah, unifying the purpose with churches different from us. That would be some creative ideas. Finding churches, maybe uh, Hispanic or African-American churches, and come alongside and work together uh, in our city to bring hope and healing. And then the final area is there's just civil government. Serve our communities. Uh, advocate for, for, for neighborhoods, run for city council, run for governor, uh, support policies that strengthen the lives of those who are hurting and struggling. Uh, be a change. I mean, but you notice we don't start with civil government. We start with the personal. We start with the family. We start with the church. And then from there, the church is poured out into the community. Pray for those in leadership. You know, it's so easy to to, uh, to, to get angry at those whoever we don't like, but let's pray for them. The scriptures are very clear about praying for those who are in authority. They have a very difficult job. They say dumb things. We say dumb things. Uh, you've seen the, the, the political part of this whole thing, and, and guess what? Politics has not uh, brought the answer. We believe Jesus Christ can. And so love our politicians, be patient with our politicians, pray for our politicians, and uh, and, and let's go about doing the work of the king and his kingdom in this hour. Amen? Let me pray. Um, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we ask you in Jesus' name to give us strength to remove the masks, Lord, and the blinders over our own eyes, over our faces, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would revive us personally as we submit our lives to your will. Lord, that you would strengthen our families and give us wisdom and grace and compassion as we as we teach and lead by example. Lord, I pray that you would restore your voice through your church at this at this very time and this very hour and pour uh, us out into our communities as a fragrant offering of, of, of love and compassion and care. Lord, we pray for all those in authority today who serve us and make policy. Lord, give them your wisdom and heart of compassion. Lord, so that we can care as, as people, as humans, for the less fortunate, as citizens of the kingdom and citizens of our community and of our nation, for the less fortunate, the hurting and the broken. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Your name, which is above every name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. God bless you. Have a great week.